0: load is just huge that he's carrying right now and um, I know the Lord's equipping him I know that but you know he's still flesh and blood and I just want to pray for you and so as many that want to you all are welcome to come and surround him but we're going to lift up our brother and our pastor I know he has a word for us tonight and I just want us to be prepared for that And we're going to lift him up. Father God, we come before you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask that you would reveal to him, Lord. Show him, God, the words, Father, may they come alive, Father, as he's preaching the word, as he's sharing, God, what you have tonight for him, Lord. And God, in the messages to come, Lord, I just pray that it would just come to life to him, Lord, Make it clear, Holy Spirit, in his life. Give him revelation knowledge that is new, Father, that is specifically for him, but specifically for those around him in this church, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just continue to equip him. Give him the strength that he needs, Lord. God, we know that nothing is impossible with you, Father, and that you are already equipping him, Lord, but I just pray for a special dose, Father, a special dose of strength and energy. And, God, a renewed focus, a renewed determination, Lord, to do the work, Father, that you have called him to do, Father. And, God, I thank you for his life. I thank you for his commitment. I thank you for his family's commitment to serve. They work so hard, Father. I pray that your blessings would just pour over them, Lord. And we thank you for him and bless him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: I'm thankful Lord I knew I was going to get hot it's kind of funny because in uh, discipleship this afternoon I was telling Malachi I said I I really don't know how I said uh, I don't know how I said the only thing that I can tell you is that it's only through Jesus it's through his spirit that I'm I said, I, I put it on an Excel spreadsheet. I said, we had to do that. And I said, it doesn't make any sense because I don't have enough time in the week just for school. Come on. But it's amazing what happens when you trust. And it's amazing what happens when you rely on the Lord yes. because that does so much. Yes. And it's the only reason I'm able to have the time and still have time for my children and that's, that's, that's my goal. Yeah. I was telling Malachi, I said, you know, my goal is I, you know, I, I want to be able to deliver the word and the Lord told me to go to school. But I said, my goal is whenever I'm promoted that all three carry the torch. Yes. Yes. I said, that's, that's my only desire. And I said, what I do it's all to the Lord. I said, I, I don't do anything for me. I said, I've, I've almost died three times. I said, it's, the only, it's only the Lord that's kept me. I've been electrocuted at work. Had a f- brain fracture. The doctor told Natalie I wasn't even going to come back. And I said, that's all, all I have is a sacrifice from here on out to him. Yeah. That's all I have to offer. And it's just that determination to serve the Lord. That's the only thing that keeps... Me going, and you know, last week I, I taught about going on a walk with the Lord. And tonight I'm, I'm going to be teaching on something. You know, I, in in school we're having to do a in in our class in biblical interpretation. We're have to do a study of hermeneutics and how to exegete scripture and, and bring the true meaning of what the author intended and what the Holy Spirit has and, not, not, and learning not to apply presuppositions and pre-understandings to the word. Yeah. And uh, my professor gave me the opportunity to, we got to pick what passage of scripture that we were going to be studying and, and of course I went, I went to John because that's, I mean that's, I love John's writings. And so I've been just immersing myself in the Book of John, and, and it's it, it's amazing how many times I've read John, but it's amazing how much is coming to life out of it, and how much is is just changing my whole f- form of thinking, and everything that is is we're pulling out of it, and we're and we're having to just dive in and just basically, what what she taught us to start with is 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 we had to do a, a little uh, a question and answer. And, and she says, what do you, how do you feel about a term called biblical criticism? And at first, I was, you know, I, was, you know, I was like, well, listen, I grew up singing, every promise in the book is mine, every scripture, every verse, every line. So I don't know where we're going to stand from here. And, and she began to teach what actual biblical criticism is. And it's not so much criticizing this, it's criticizing this. And it's beginning to tear down everything that we understand with culture, every time everything we understand with time. And then we begin to go back to the time of the author, to all the different phrases and terminology and the words that are being used that encompass so much. It's it's incredible. And then all of a sudden it starts coming to life. And so I was seeking the Lord, and we were having to write write on this topic. And I was seeking the Lord, and I was, I was going, Lord, I, you know I, we taught about walking with you. I said, I said I, I'm seeking you for this Sunday night, God. I, I, I need your word. And, and what happened, it's, it's not that I'm trying to make some big thing out of something that happened, but it was one of those things that happened that no one could explain, but it happened. And it happened on a baseball field. And it happened at the end of Israel's practice. And we have the honor to have a coach at our school that is just as concerned of the character that he's imparting to his, his athletes as the winning that he expects. Because he's, he's believing in raising up champions, but he's also believing in raising up young men with character. And so we, I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you see somebody and you're thankful that he is teaching your child. And so for me, I'm a, I observe, I watch everybody. I want to see, I want to know. I'm always watching, I'm, I'm seeing their actions, seeing what they're doing. And so I'm watching him. And so he's, he's out there, he's got all the kids and they're doing conditioning. And if you've ever heard of bear crawls, That's what they got to do right at the end of practice, bear crawls. And what would you do at the beginning of practice? You had to do something else, a tip drill or something, or what is it called? Yeah, that. But so this is at the end. So they've already had all this going on. But at the end, they had to do bear crawls. And so he he has them, and, and a bear crawl is basically, just as it sounds, you get down on all fours and your knees don't touch the ground and you and and they had to crawl all the way around the infield but they had to stay on the grass all the way around and most people can think that they can do that really fast but after they reached first base from then on you're going on burn and so that he had him he had him out there and they're doing these things and and, you know, you have the, the, the more fit ones, you know, getting out in the lead, and, and they come in, and, you know, they're struggling. You know, I'm, I'm even like, man, that's a good workout. You know, I should probably do that one. And so they're coming into home, and, and everyone's starting to come in, and they're, they're standing up, and they're, they're kind of taking their helmets off, the ones that had helmets, and they're kind of going over to the side. And they, see, and they see this little guy struggling, And he wasn't going to make it. He was out of gas. So many times we are out of gas. But most of the times we don't display it. In bear crawls, you display it. And so the kids, being already taught, started going out there and, you know, they, they were done. But they started going out there and they started cheering. Come on, come on. And the little guy was at, short, at shortstop and he wasn't even going to make it to third. And so they, they got him and they were cheering and they, the whole t- team was there and they were cheering and, and all of a sudden they started doing something. He was able to start going again. And he hit third base and he was out of gas. And something happened. A bunch of boys became a team. Because the coach, and this isn't just about this, this is, how, this is what God did at this moment. And it just start, he just started, just like, everything that I've been learning, culminating with all, all, everything I'm seeing, and all of a sudden, everywhere I was standing was just one of those holy moments. And it was something that was so, I, I, I was just like, the woman, there was a mother standing beside me, and she just starts crying. She's like, I don't understand why I'm crying. And just tears rolling down her face. And I'm like, if you only knew what's going on right here. But Coach Sanders, he saw him and he said, who's going to crawl with him? Who's going to crawl with him? It's, It's one thing to stand there and cheer. But after you've already finished what you were supposed to do to get down on the ground again, And get alongside someone struggling that's out of gas. That's a totally different thing. And the little boy that wasn't gonna make it to third base, he started getting a little a little better, and his his shaky arms and shaky legs was able to start to go again because the whole team did one quarter more that they didn't have to do. They did one quarter more of something that wasn't expected. Because a coach knew that he's building character in some boys. And he knew the ones that's going to get it. And he said, who's going to crawl? And they all got down on their hands and knees. And they started counting. And he made it home. And the Lord, in that that moment of just me, just, just being like, lord and you can put the picture up i took a picture you probably can't even tell which one it is that's how it's supposed to be you can't even tell the one because everybody's doing it it says that we're supposed to bear the burdens It says that we're supposed to be the church and so in this time whenever uh, it's just one of those holy moments that the lord just started just just speaking ever so clearly to me and i i'm not trying to make like it's something special but it was one of those things where i was out of gas i was in the part of the week where i was out of gas i had everything starting to build up on me where I was having to have papers and I was having to do all this research and I have two classes going and I have two professors expecting so much and I have to prepare for this and I have to be a father and I have to fix things and I have to do this and all this was going on and I was out of gas. And the Lord, in his ever so precious way, took that time to just start putting something in me that I can't even understand. And he started revealing something to me about him that I can't even begin to even relate to you. Because it was one of those things that it was at this intimate time where he was just, it was like Niagara Falls hitting me. And he started taking me through this scripture. And he started, he started moving me through. And as I was watching this coach teach these young men how to become men. And and the unity that is being formed here, he said, go to John 17. John he said, go to John 17. And so I, I went to John 17. And he said, this, this is my prayer. This is my prayer. And so to, to understand the heart of our Savior, to begin to understand everything that he is to us. You know, it's not just about about being with him, but it's also about understanding who he is. It's about understanding the way that he loves us so much and how he wants so much for us to know who we are and for us to understand that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he, he builds us up in our weakest moments and when we're out of gas. But it's all through this word called unity. That's what I preached on last week where Jesus says, I in the Father, the Father in me, he in you, and you in him. Whenever we start understanding this this simple yet something that we often don't understand about how God and all that he is, in the vastness of who he is, how, how we couldn't even begin to understand all that he is. His power, his majesty, his, how he spoke us all. How he created, how he continues to hold each and every one of us whenever. How can a God do that? A loving God. And so whenever we start looking at who Jesus is, it says that we know God because we see Jesus. He says he came to earth so that we might know God. And so when we start looking at this passage of scripture in John chapter 17. And we see who Jesus is in his heart for us. It says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world It says, I do not ask that you take them out, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is the heart of our Savior. This is his burden. This is his cry to God. This is him travailing before his father saying, I've taught them your word. They know you because of who I am, and they're able to see you. But also, don't take them out of the world. But I pray that you keep them safe. I pray that you keep them. And how, 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 is, how is the Lord going to keep us? They are not of this world just as not I am the world. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I concentrate myself. That they might be sanctified in your truth. I do not ask of these. But this is is where this scripture begins to apply to us. This is where this scripture begins to apply to our lives. But also for those who believe me through their word. That they may be one. If if we're ever to, to, to walk away with something tonight. This is what we need to walk away with. One. Just as you, Father, are in me. Look, it's it's happening again. This this unity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is happening all throughout John. And as we as we begin to walk through John, we're beginning to understand the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the Trinity, the unity of God, but also who Christ is, and also who he is to us, but also who we are through him. And so as we we, we we're working through this and And it says that the Father are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. Here it comes again. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and you have loved me even as you've loved me. That you may love them even even as you've loved me. This is something that if if we were to understand. If we were to understand who Christ is. We need to understand what his prayer is for us. When we, when we begin to understand his heart and his prayer, every word, every passage, everything that we can begin to apply to our lives begins to come to life when we become in unity with him but also when we become unity with one another when we begin to to set aside all of our hang-ups, our desires our Our things that we work through and our personality differences. And and we begin to see the prayer of the God we serve. As we begin to see the prayer of the God we serve, we begin to say, Lord, this is your heart for us. This is what we're supposed to be. But it goes even further than that. This is where the Lord started just, just... driving something home in me. And, and he took me to the Last Supper. The Last Supper, this, this sacred moment, this thing that we still celebrate, this thing that we, we offer ourselves to him. But that night, you have 12 who were not in unity, When we we step back and we start looking at this passage of Scripture, and we need to understand the customs of that time, you had 12 disciples and Jesus. What they're supposed to do is they're supposed to wash feet. Before they sit and they have this sacred time of Passover. But you have these 12 disciples... Who were so worried about being the top disciple that no one was going to get the water, no one was going to get the rag. They were so caught up that they didn't want to be the one who had to do it. And we see our Savior get up and do something. And something begins to come alive in 12 men because they see something worked out that the, the rabbi got down and washed feet. And Peter said, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, you can't have me if I don't get to wash your feet. What, what is this teaching us? What, what, if, we, if we start applying just this part of the Last Supper to John chapter 14, verse 21, what, what, what can we start gaining from this? It says that if you love me and keep my commands, it says whoever has my commands and keeps them, it is what he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and i will be and i will love him and manifest myself to him now we're going to come right back to this verse at the end but i wanted us to see just this passage of scripture because one thing that we need to understand is serving empowers unity If we are to be the church, we got to wash some feet. How does that apply to us? It means that we humble ourselves. It means that we serve others. It means that we bear the burden of the church together. If if we're ever to understand unity, it's never a one-man show it's never a celebrity show it's not that's not what God put in place that's what America has put in place through our culture and the most important thing we need to understand about culture is our culture is individualistic that's what it is That one's been drank out of. And I don't know when it was drank out of last. But to understand the individualistic culture is to understand that we are about me. See, the culture in this time, in this, when, when John was writing this gospel, and when this happened with Jesus in this time, they're not an individualistic culture at all. Everyone was a part of everyone's life. Everyone knew everybody. They had this thing where they, they even had communal living. This, this, this isn't something that is we even understand. But whenever we begin to just dissect this and say, what does this even mean? They were already closer than we are now. And God wants them to become one even more? How, how does this happen? And so we look at, at Peter, the one who, who said, Jesus, don't wash my feet, don't. Because what, what happened at that moment was all of a sudden conviction ran all over him. And like so many times it runs over us whenever we were supposed to do something and we see like Will was preaching about this morning about confronting things and how Paul confronted Peter. Whenever Paul was the younger Christian, whew, that's humbling. But whenever we're supposed to do something, all of a sudden we see a, a, a young comer come by us, and they go do something, and we, and then all of a sudden there it is conviction whew, all over me. And I go, Lord, missed it. And so that's what Peter was feeling at that moment. Don't wash my feet. I'll wash yours. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make this right. I was trying to be the top dog. You showed us all that. It's the one who serves. But then we need to see what Peter learned from that. And so so let's go to 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11. This This is the words of Peter. It says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. All those boys did a quarter more because they had a coach that said, who's going to crawl? See, it's easy to cheer It's easy. That's the easy thing that we can do. That's the easy thing. We all get up there and come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. We we know you can do it. God will strengthen you to do it. Who's going to crawl? That's when a church becomes his church. Another thing that happened as I was standing there and the Lord was just dumping this thing on me. Psalms chapter 33, 1 through 3. This is something that we, we, we're, we're working on something in our lives and we're working on something on Sunday nights where we're saying, God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit to empower us. God, we're calling for revival. We're calling for this. We, we need you to move in our house. We need you to move in all these things. And then God says, behold, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is the precious oil. This is talking about the anointing. And this is where we start getting into something that that even we can't even understand. Because God begins to do something whenever we become in unity. And it says it's good that we're in unity. But God says there's also something attached. God says I've also got something for you. You can move to something that you don't even understand. You can move to something that is going to shake this whole community. That's going to shake this whole world if you, just, if you just start walking in this. Because I've got some anointing in this jar. I've got some anointing in this jar that if you come and you start getting in unity, it says that it's going to run like the precious oil over the head. This is talking about the anointing of Aaron. Aaron. And it's going to run down the beard and the beard of Aaron and running down the collar to his robes. This is, this is an all-encompassing anointing that's going to come over us. This is an all-encompassing anointing that we start walking in where we say, Lord, it's not by power, but it's by strength. Lord, it's not by our works, but it's by you. Lord, it's not that what we can do, but it's what you can do through us. Lord, we're calling for revival, but God send us those who are, who are needing it. God, we're calling for a revival, but we're going to go knock on some doors. We're going, to go, we're going to go to Walmart just with one thing in mind. I'm going to look for someone who's hurting. I'm going to go looking for someone who needs Jesus. And when we start walking in this anointing, see, anointing is not meant for you just to get anointed, and then you go to sit and be like, man, this is great. God's moving in my life. Man, I feel good. I feel refreshed. God says, no, I'm going to anoint you so that you can be the priest that I've called you to be. I'm going to anoint you so that you can speak the very oracles of God, and, and chains are broken, and, and lives are restored, and lives come back into death. And, and for you to be the church, you've got to dwell in unity. When we start working in this thing and we start understanding that God has something for us, we've got to come into it. The anointing, the refreshing oil. I need the refreshing oil so much in my life. I need the refreshing anointing of God so that I can be empowered because I am I'm going on empty. But I know that when my flesh is weak, He's strong. And I know that when I'm out of gas, he gives me what I need because he's going to get right down there with me and he's going to crawl with me. And I might be giving up on shortstop, but I know that I can make it home because it's his anointing. And for us to start walking in that in this church, I'm telling you, we got to start tapping into something that he has for us. We need to start seeing the prayer of our Savior. We need to start coming in agreement with the Word and say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I want to serve. Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm going to bear with my brother. I don't don't understand it, but all of a sudden I don't even care what what is happening around me. All I know is I just want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to wash some feet. I don't understand it. But the Lord says, listen, when you start understanding anointing, when you start understanding unity, you start walking in something different. See, When we start looking at this and we start encompassing it to the whole word because that's what you're supposed to do in biblical criticism. You're supposed to start at a passage of scripture, and then you start working out, and you start working out, and you start working out, and you start seeing how it agrees with everything else. And you start saying, man, unity, that's the triune God. It says that the spirit hovered over the water, but it was God who spoke. It said it was it was Christ who walked the earth, but it says that you were in him and he is in you and the spirit's in us. And we start seeing this thing come to life, and we say, Man, oh, the Israelites walked around some walls, and all of a sudden, oh, what happened? They started walking in obedience. They started saying, listen, we don't understand it. These walls are thick. We don't understand what's going on in the city. There's some barriers. There's some walls. There's some strongholds. We don't understand it. We see that it's impenetrable through what we can do. But whenever we start walking in obedience and we start walking in unity and and we're just, oh, we're quiet. We're quiet. We're just walking. We're quiet and we're just walking because that's what he's told us to do. We're just walking and we're walking in this obedience and and all of a sudden on on the last day it says that we're supposed to shout. Oh listen, when we start understanding what we're supposed to do, when we start understanding what unity can do in a shout, walls can start coming down in this community. Walls can start coming down in your life. Walls can start coming down in your marriage. You know why? Because when you start understanding unity, you start walking in the anointing. When you start walking in the anointing, all of a sudden God starts moving in your life like you can't even understand. He starts moving in such power and authority where you don't even understand what's happening. But it's by God and through God. When you start seeing that just, just that path of obedience and walking with your brothers, with your sisters in Christ, man, what's going to happen to this community? I know where my path is set. I know where my path is set. I know what I have to do because I have to go totally dependent on him. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it through my strength. I can't do it through anything that I possess. I am 100% dependent on him. But whenever I leave what I can do, I start walking in what he can do. And it's where, it's right there that I, I belong. And it's where you belong. Because not, God's not called you to be self-sufficient. That's that very unity that we start seeing come alive. When we come in unity with Christ, we're no longer dependent on what we have. We're no longer dependent on, on anything that we can do. It's not by works. What's Christ? What's his prayer? What's this thing that we're learning? And, and then we, we go and we start wrapping it all around through Scripture and we start seeing how it's just ever so just gently moving through like it's, like it's just weaving a perfect, perfect basket for us. And then we go right to Acts chapter 2. And then we see how men who learned to wash feet began to see the power of coming together. Because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet, but it says they were together in one accord. They were together in one accord. What does that mean? It means they were in unity. They were coming to absolute dependence on him. He physically was sitting at the right hand of God. Everything that they were seeing, everything that, that they were trying to understand was, everything. Rome was against them. Israel was against them. Their families were against them. You have to understand the culture of that time to start seeing all this start happening and to see that they were absolutely 100% dependent On God. 100% dependent. And whenever they became 100% dependent on God, they started putting down what they were wanting. And started putting down their, their, ooh, me's and we's and I and this and and what I can do. And and they started coming together and they're saying, Lord, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for something because he's promised it. He promised it in John chapter 14. He spoke about it in John chapter 16. He prayed about it in John chapter 17. And we begin to see this thing start happening. And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2, they hit something because 12 men became a team. 12 men became a team, empowered, and they changed the whole world. They changed everything. How can 12 men who were not trained do this only through Christ and it says that whenever Peter stood up and he began to preach it says that they were with him it wasn't just him preaching they were praying he was delivering the oracles of God but they were right there saying Lord bring a harvest Lord, bring a harvest. Lord, you said the fields are white. Lord, bring a harvest. They were interceding on behalf of what the Holy Spirit was doing because they were in unity. And that unity and that word being delivered, this word that's, that's alive and active and this word that is inspired and inerrant, and this word began to be preached. And Peter said in, in the chapter in the book of Joel, and he began to say, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And he began to say that you need Christ. How many were added to the kingdom that day? How many were added because of obedience? How many were added because they began to get unity and it came alive in them? It became just that fast. And they, were, they understood that it was no longer about It was no longer about them they were now the hands and feet of Jesus it says that the Holy Spirit was given to fulfill the work of Christ that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life and as we're moving closer to the activation in our lives as we're moving together saying Lord, we're on this this path, we're we're preaching, that we're preaching truth and we're going from from point A and point B and we're doing it just like we're doing it. Just as the Lord's leading it, it's about relationship, it's about relationship, it's about serving, it's about unity, it's about all this. And then we begin to come into the activation. We will then understand the power of unity. We will begin to see something come alive in this church that words can't describe that we can't even begin to understand but it's going to happen through the prayer of Christ it's going to happen through John chapter 17 and us becoming perfectly one when we begin to understand the power of unity, we begin to understand what Christ is through us. And we begin to see this wonderful union of unity begin to be lived out where everything we read, the unity of Scripture, the unity of the Trinity, the unity of the, he has with us, We walk in what we have for others. Who's going to crawl? Who's going to crawl? That day, a team was built. I believe it. Coach Sanders built a team that day. That day that Christ washed feet. A team was built. When we start understanding what the Bible says, we begin to see the truth. There's a purpose for power. There's a purpose for the Holy Spirit's empowerment in our life. But there's also a commandment attached and when we understand that commandment we walk in Psalms chapter 133 it's good it's good behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity it's like a precious oil this is that anointing when we start walking in this the Lord's going to start anointing. When the Lord starts anointing, eye has not seen nor ears heard all that Christ is going to do. I believe that. I know that to be true. I know it to be true. I've seen it. And we need to grab hold of what this is this isn't we're not just going through life we are on the mission field each and every day unity with the spirit compels us to call all men unto him when we begin to understand that call each and every one of us are called when the Holy Spirit works through us, it says that he draws all men unto him. He's not drawing them to you. He's drawing them to him through you. Tonight, it's good that brothers dwell in unity. It's good that we begin to see this, this passage of scripture come alive. Because when we start understanding this life-giving principle, this church gonna come to life and not just this church every church around here it's not the goal of one church when we start understanding the unity it doesn't only apply to us the very call of Christ is the church it's not segregated whenever we start walking in this power and anointing that God has for us, all of a sudden, the body of believers in Branson, in Hollister, in Walnut Shade, how, how, how much further? How, how much further can we go? How much further can He go if we understand that this isn't about us, it's about Him. Tonight, just as I was prayed for, I came here to pray for those who are tired. I came to pray for those who are out of gas. I came to offer something that the Lord so graciously spoke and demonstrated before I started. Because it's not about about us